Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. So welcome to our listeners to this edition of uh, Collier's Talks. Today's episode is hosted by Arnold Fox and myself, Mark Dubay. Arnold, how are you today? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. So both of us are uh, SVPs with the Collier's Montreal Industrial Group. Um, and we want to do something a little bit different today than just, you know, your traditional podcast. So we're hoping that this is going to catch on and we're starting uh, wine tasting with uh, Arnold and Mark. And uh, we couldn't be happier to welcome uh, two members of the uh, Broccolini team with us today. So there's Paul, we have Paul Broccolini, who was one of the founding members of Broccolini, as well as Anthony Broccolini, who's the chief operating officer for uh, for Bro- the Broccolini team. So, Paul and Anthony, how are you guys? Pretty Doing good. well. Thanks for Thanks having us. Oh, yeah. Good to have you guys. So, to go back to our, our our wine tasting theme, well, today since it's such a nice day, we figured we would choose a a nice white wine that we've all sampled, and just for the listeners to be aware. We had bottles delivered to everybody. We're safely doing this from a distance. And uh, we're, today we're tasting a nice uh, white wine from a producer that uh, actually we visited in Italy, uh, Giacomo Neri from Casanova di Neri. We're drinking a nice uh, white wine. It's got some minty notes on it. It's a nice bright yellow color, uh, super fresh, really nice. And it actually comes from... Uh, Giacomo Neri's private collection, which was uh, sent to us from uh, from a friend. So, guys, as we say in Italian, Centani. 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 Salute. <laughs> and it's 20 to 9 in Rome right now, so we're, we're drinking appropriately. <laughs> so, guys, now that we've uh, we've got the fun stuff uh, out of the way and let's talk, uh, let's talk some business. So. Anthony, before we we talk a little bit about the market, um, you know, Broccolini's got a you know really well known name in the market. But if somebody was to say to you, "Who is Broccolini?" How would you answer that? So I would say that Broccolini is a is a caring family who are passionate about developing and building. And when I say family, I mean we're, we're you know we're certainly a lot of members in the Broccolini family, but it's 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 the large extended family. It's a community that we build at, at Broccolini, and we're you know close to 450 employees now between Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, and uh, just you know a great great family of of folks that um, that share common values, uh, that really care about what they do, and and are very very passionate about uh, about the buildings that we develop and build, and. Um, you know, in terms of the the, the who and, and and what we do, um, you know, today we're in Montreal, we're in Ottawa, we're in Toronto. Um, you know, we touch many different sectors uh, on on the construction side and on the development side. You know, we've been very active on on office, retail, high rise residential, and industrial. Um, on the construction side of the business, we're we're our annual volume just over a billion dollars, so we're we're. We're likely in the top 10 biggest builders uh, across the country. Um, on the development side, we probably have about $6 billion of active projects at various different stages in our, our pipeline. Um, on the fund side of things, we, we've raised over a billion dollars of private capital that, that uh, is helping us invest in, in all of these different opportunities that we're chasing. 
and uh, and we own and manage about 15 million square feet of of, of property, um, you know, primarily in in uh, in Quebec and Ontario. And when you say you're you you spoke before about uh, raising capitals through private investment, is that the funds that you've been uh, running for multiple years now? Correct. So uh, we we've been doing that for for over a decade and and uh, have been doing it you know quite successfully. And uh, I guess you know su- success breeds further success, right? And and uh, we always like to say in our business that. Uh, you know, you're only as good as your last project, right? And and it's important for us to continue to deliver great results. You know, for for our clients, for our partners, for our investors, and and uh, you know, so we raised our our, our sixth fund last uh, late last fall, uh, a three hundred and sixty million dollar fund, and and uh, we're probably going to be looking at raising our next one in the next uh, in the next couple of quarters here. So not too late for us to invest. Absolutely, <laughs> fantastic. And Paul, since we've got you, one of the founding members on the line with us, um, so what's the history of Broccolini? How did how did Broccolini start? Well, it started with my dad, uh, Donato Broccolini. <clears throat> He's going to be turning 97 years old this year, July, God bless him. Beautiful. Um, he immigrated to, to Canada when he was six years old in 1931, um, came over with his mom, and his dad was already here uh, for a year or so working. And um, he got a, um, I guess, a civil engineering technology degree uh, that would be a comparable degree today. Uh, he did it at nighttime, uh, working as a carpenter during the day. Um, he had an uncle that he would work uh, summer jobs with, uh, who was a builder. He built homes in, like, in MDG and Villasal and Machine. And uh, as soon as my dad graduated, he got the itch to start his own little shop and uh, he borrowed money from one of his uncles and uh, the rest was history, I guess. Uh, He started building homes, buying land and uh, flipping them and saw that uh, there was money to be made. And uh, so he uh, uh, was running it, uh, doing residential for quite some time. He started doing some multi-residential, not big stuff, but uh, in the the 70s. then it, 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 the market got really uh, uh, quiet, and uh, they started venturing into um, into public bids and uh, you know small jobs, hospitals and schools and stuff like that. And that went on for a bit. And then in the eighties, uh, one by one, um, you know, my brothers Joseph and John, uh, myself later, I'm as the youngest of the, the, the brothers, uh, joined the business, the family business in the eighties. And um, we, we were bidding on public jobs and the margins were not very good. And uh, there was like a lot of bidders. And uh, we started saying, let's change our focus and let's focus on the private sector. And uh, we uh, were very successful at that in the private sector. And we, we developed a niche market in there and, uh, and started getting a lot of repeat business customers. And um, then we started uh, dabbling buying land tracks. And we saw that was we had a captive audience by buying land, and uh, we did a lot. Of, we started doing design build contracts probably in the late '80s. Um, we saw, you know, the, the margins, profit margins were a lot better, and um, then we started dabbling into real estate uh, with leases, and saw the margins were even much, that much better. So I guess the rest was history afterwards, and then. Um, uh, my nephews started getting involved in the business, and I guess sometime in 2000, uh, I'm not sure, Anthony, was it 2001 you started getting involved? Um, yeah, and around that time. Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, we saw we saw the opportunities on the real estate side. We started developing strategic relationships 
on the broker side, uh, uh, you know, the brokers' houses liked us because we they saw us as a one-stop shop. They, we had land, uh, we had uh, we had construction ex- expertise, we had design expertise, and uh, we just became very likable. We came over. We were like the first point of, uh, of call from from the brokerage community in the Montreal market, and. Uh, Started dabbling more with the RFPs and long-term leases, and uh, then the uh, we started in 2007. We, we raised our first limited partnership fund because we used to do a lot of uh, raises of capital with families and friends, and uh, uh, it worked. It worked well for quite some time, but you know, as the projects got more complicated and required a lot more capital and, and a quicker timeline, we said we had to start doing our own private equity fund. Paul, what would be the first deal that you really remember that? You said, okay, Broccolini is now on the map. What would that be if, if you could go back in time? It's a good question. I think there was like a lot of projects that we have, we have like in our history, we have seen like a lot of stepping stones in our history. Like one of our first major construction contracts, I think it was a project we did for Canderel on Colbert to Beijing. Uh, at the time, it was a big contract for us. It was a it was a six-story office building on the Cooper Two Beijing, and uh, you know, and we hit that out of the park. And um, uh, I guess our very first one was Lavenue Pontiac Buick. That was our first private sector job. Uh, that was probably 1985. Um, I wasn't. I was actually still in school. Uh, my brother Joseph and John, uh, you know, were very key uh, in that in securing that contract and executing it. Those are a couple of key milestone uh, projects that come to mind. And then I think the TELUS project in Ottawa, downtown Ottawa, was uh, uh, our, we, you know, we did some long-term leases on industrial buildings, you know, one-offs here and there, but it was our first major uh, foray in the Ottawa market. Uh, and uh, I'll let Anthony speak to that because Anthony was very instrumental in securing that, uh, the TELUS contract in, in downtown Ottawa. Yeah, so I think uh, you know, t- tell us, uh, especially from a, from a real estate deal, was uh, you know was was by far our biggest deal at the time, and and uh, you know we were prior to that we were doing a lot of, of industrial deals in in you know the West Island of Montreal, uh, and this this was uh, you know this was a big deal. It was a big equity check, and and uh, you know we we basically put a lot of our eggs in, into that one basket, and and. Um, you know, we at t- timing. We talk about this all the time in the business. It's you know timing, 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 and and uh, it was a great deal. We did well with it, and and I think that that uh, you know that that sparked uh, that that sparked our first uh, limited partnership, and we took you know the funds from that to you know to do uh, to do our first LP fund, and and um, so I think that you know that for me for sure was. was uh, you know, was it was it was a major milestone, and and uh, you know, on on the you know the legs of that, we you know we did a couple of other large large office buildings in 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 the Ottawa market, and and I think in in the span of you know just uh, five or six years, we we did just over two million square feet of office in in uh, in, in the Ottawa market, and um, you know I was I was smiling uh, when when uh, you were talking about uh, Candarell, and I I have uh, I, I have a picture. You know, I was probably five or six years old in the hole. You know, while we were doing form work there, and, and uh, you know, and you know, talking about Ottawa, and then uh, you know, come 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 around thirty years later, and we were partnered with John Wiener at uh, from Candarell, and he was uh, you know a great mentor and a great partner of ours, and you know, here we were doing a 
you know, a, a large downtown office building, half a million square foot office building for for EDC. So it's, uh, you know, I think there's there's uh, like Paul said, there's there's a lot of moments, and and uh, I think in life there's never that one you know magic moment. It just uh, you know a, a continual build up, right? And and uh, we've been fortunate that we've had many many success stories that uh, you just got to keep on building on on the, on those successes, right? And I'm sure you guys. I mean, it's it's an incredible story when you think about, you know, somebody coming over from Italy and and immigrating with, you know, not a lot of things in their pockets. And, you know, now you're running, you know, billion dollar uh, operations. It's uh, it's an unbelievable uh, family and, you know, a, frankly, an unbelievable uh, Canadian story. So uh, congratulations on that, guys. And Anthony, I, I wanted to ask. So, you know, I know you are involved. You guys have been greatly involved in the Montreal and helping reshape the Montreal market. You've done, you know, big leaps in Ottawa uh, over the last 10 years. You've been very active in Toronto also. So what's next? Where where are the next markets? Good question. And, and um, you know, we have this this question. We, we ask ourselves the question, you know, very, very often, right? And, and um, a number of years ago, uh, I, I'm a big, big fan of, of Jim Collins, and uh, if you read the book Good to Great, and, and in there he talks about a concept of, you know, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And, and at Broccolini, our, our big, hairy, audacious goal is that we want to be the most sought-after builder and developer in Canada. And when we talk about that, we always say that we don't necessarily want to be the biggest, and we don't necessarily want to be in every you know, in every province, but wherever we are, whatever we're doing, you know, we, we, we want to be that, that top round in the market that, that, that we're playing in. And, uh, you know, today we're, we're Montreal, we're Ottawa, we're in Toronto. Um, you know, we're well established in, in, in each of those different markets. And, uh, you know, we want to, we want to continue doing great, great work in, in, in those markets. Um, will it take us elsewhere? I think uh, definitely those opportunities are, are, you know, are on our doorstep. And I think, you know, we want to stay, stay true to, to, you know, to how we've grown so far. And, and, and that's with controlled growth. Um, and we're not going to grow just for the sake of growing. We want to do it in a way where, you know, we can do a great, great job of, of servicing our clients. And, and um, so I think we want to be intentional with it. And uh, so I think that 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 expansion, you know, will continue, but under under certainly the right circumstances. And, and uh, you know, I think I think the formula you got to have, you know, you got to have the right team, you got to have the right clients, uh, you got to have the right markets to do so. And, and um, again, I think we want to be very intentional with it. And uh, to date, you know, there, there's not another market right now that we're saying we're officially going into. Um, but we're certainly keeping an open mind and, and uh, want to do it in, in, a, in a controlled fashion. So I guess that would bring us to our next line of, I guess, question. Uh, given the fact that you are, uh, you know, a national player in, uh, in multiple uh, major cities, um, how's the impact of COVID been on your business this year? I mean, that's kind of the yellow fint in the room. It's difficult not to talk about business in general without having that. So how has that affected your business? So I, I, I think um, life throws you many curveballs. And I think for, for the entire planet, we've been thrown a, you know, a pretty big curveball. And, and uh, you know, I think from, from within the business, it has allowed us to 
become even closer, especially between the three different offices. So I think that that's actually been a that's actually been a, a blessing um, where the three different offices are collaborating more than they ever have. And I think technology has helped that. But uh, I, again, I think it's just the, the caring nature of our people that, you know, we, we, we want to connect, we want to collaborate. Right. And, and uh, so I think that that's. That's definitely been, I think, the, the silver lining for us at Broccolini that it, it's uh, it's actually gotten us to connect even more. I mean, there's no question we all want to do it face to face and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've made the best of the circumstances and, and uh, I, I think I've done, you know, done very well with it. And I, I think, you know, we said at the beginning is that, you know, we want to look at this as an opportunity and we want to we want to come out even stronger than uh, than we were before. And I think we, we've 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 successfully accomplished that. I think for on the business end, um, you know, the business has has grown, you know, tremendously. Uh, in the last year, we've probably hired 125 people during COVID, um, and and the business has grown. So I think, uh, you know, certainly on on uh, you know on the industrial side, we've been been very very active, and I think that that has certainly been the brunt of our our growth has been on on the industrial side. Um, and you know we've been been doing everything that we can to to make sure that we can uh, continue to service our clients on that front. So um, it's you know it's 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 been a good year. I, you know we constantly say that we're 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 very blessed and we're very grateful for the position that we are in right now. Um, you know, but I think it's uh, you know it's because we have you know we've had a strong strong foundation. I think uh, you know specifically as 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 an industrial player. You know, we're definitely uh, definitely one of the top top industrial players, and and uh, there's not a lot of folks that have been able to to build, you know, the amount of square footage that that we've been able to build, and and uh, I think our our clients see that, and our clients uh, know that. So, um, you know, again, that that success breeds success, right? So, um, our our goal is to continue to uh, grow, you know, grow and expand that, and and um, it's been a you know, it's certainly been a, a a very good year and a very fortunate year for us. So I think Arnold and I can both say that we've seen, uh, and ours is more of a micro being uh, located in Montreal rather than macro as you guys see it. But we've seen a tremendous increase in demand for e-commerce, uh, larger buildings, uh, newer clear heights. Um, how would you say that the e-commerce is affecting the industrial market more on a national basis. It's uh, it's uh, it's causing havoc in the in the marketplace. Uh, I mean, that's COVID has uh, has accelerated things. One positive thing about COVID is it's uh, changing consumers' ways of how to how to shop. Uh, I see my house. I like I'm you know pre-COVID I was you know. Uh, you're at the office and you're doing your work and that's whatever. So now, you know, during COVID, you're at home and you're realizing like the freaking doorbell keeps ringing and my wife keeps ordering from Amazon. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I think consumers' habits is changing big time and, uh, and uh, the e-commerce is playing a big part of it. And uh, uh, we're seeing it in our, in our business uh, that, you know, obviously we're doing a lot of work for Amazon. Um, we're doing a lot of work for uh, other uh, retailers that are, that are starting to catch on on the home improvement side. Uh, uh, the refrigerated, uh, you know, uh, food industry, um, 3PLs. Uh, I think the whole COVID is expedited things uh, twofold uh, on that. Uh, and you, 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 I'm nothing new that I'm telling you, but I'm, you guys are obviously seeing it as as well. So, 
So you mentioned you mentioned Amazon um, in in your in your discussion, and you know it's no secret that Broccolini has managed to uh, forge a really strong relationship with Amazon, uh, both in Montreal and Ontario. Um, you know, Colliers ourselves have been uh, have been privy to some transactions with you with Amazon. How has Amazon impacted the Canadian market? Well, I, I think you know they're, they're, you know, when you th- when you think of e-commerce, pre-COVID, all the retailers were were, you know, talking about what happened over the last year. They, they were talking about how it's going to transition to where we are today, and 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 you know, the fast forward button got pressed, and 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 we fast forwarded like five years down the road, right? That that that's what happened, I think, on 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 the retailing side, and I think. You know, Amazon definitely, you know, there's no question it has been, you know, the most advanced in this field. Uh, the, 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 I think, had, had the foresight and, and, and had certainly, you know, prepared themselves for this, not knowing that it's coming, but this, this was their business model, right? And, and uh, so I, th- I think, you know, they were the most bullish on it and they were probably the most prepared. Um, and I think, you know, certainly the proof is in the pudding. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're expanding lots and, and, and uh, you know, certainly, you know, growing, growing, growing that footprint in a, you know, in a very significant way. And, and there's no question they're, you know, they are the leaders in, in e-commerce, right? And, and uh, I think that was their business plan pre-COVID. And I think everyone else has sort of had to, you know, adjust and, and, you know, folks, folks that have looked at it, uh, you know, and, and focus on e-commerce as part of their growth have, have have been doing so. And and there's others that you know have probably spent the last little bit to try to look at saying, okay, how how are we going to catch up to this, right? And you know, these things don't happen overnight. It, it takes time, and and you know, it's a changing business model, right? So I think there's no question. You know, the proof is in the pudding. A- Amazon has been at the forefront of it, and it's going to be interesting to see how. Others are going to continue to react and, and uh, you know, to see how that uh, how that line of business continues to grow across Canada. So, Anthony, just just to to go a little bit further on that, on, you know, I guess, industrial users and their needs changing. We're experiencing in Montreal something that we've never seen before, where we used to have tenants that were willing to sign uh, leases that were starting 12 months ahead, really planning and doing built to suits. We're not seeing that at all anymore. And the industrial user in Montreal, if we have a three to four month lead time before they actually need to occupy the space, it's, it's actually becoming a long time. Are you seeing that in other markets or in other markets, are they willing to sign let's say on spec on plan even before you hit ground there's, there's a bit of both i think there's a bit of both some companies have uh, have the proper planning in place they plan it and there's others uh, a lot of the 3pl guys uh, i guess they win contracts that based on the basis of their contracts they want like space immediately you know um i think the end users they're they they're they're planning their planning strategy is a little bit different they're more patient um, that's my 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 read of the market in in Montreal and also in Toronto. But obviously, if you have a product, I mean, ready to go, you obviously you're getting attention from you know a, a bigger spectrum as opposed to 
you know, waiting to, you know, wait, waiting for the customer to sign off on the drawings and, and go in for permit and so forth. So there's, you know, it's risk reward, obviously, uh, you know, making sure you're building the right product in the right location and the right rental rates. Uh, but if all those things are aligned uh, as a developer, you can do very, very well. So how are we how are we doing Montreal, Anthony, in comparison to I mean, you know, it's it, it comes down down to right, Arnold, down to the Leafs versus the Habs. Uh, <laughs> how are we doing in regards to Toronto or or versus Toronto? I should say, are we uh, is Montreal holding its own finally? What what do you guys feel? I, I think you know from from uh, obviously and again speaking industrial here. I mean the the market is obviously you know far 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 you know bigger in Toronto than it is in Montreal. Um, I think that Mont- Montreal you know on a whole I think is catching up on 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 many different levels, but you know still doesn't have the same volume, doesn't have the same depth as as, as Toronto. Right, Toronto is a far far bigger. Uh, city and I think in, in in all the different asset classes is you know is ahead, but at the same time, um, you know, I've been certainly saying that you know we've we've Montreal has been getting a lot more attention. Uh, this was happening you know certainly pre pre COVID. Um, obviously, COVID put a put a, you know put a wrench into things, but I think uh, you know Mont- Montreal's in 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 the best shape that it's ever ever been in, right? And, and certainly in 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 my career, I, I've. Uh, you know, I've never seen or witnessed where where Montreal is at today. So I think it's uh, Montreal is definitely ripe for growth, um, and I think we're seeing it. We're seeing it in in you know in 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 the velocity. We're seeing it in its pricing. Uh, you know, across many many different levels. So I think um, you know we we are quite bullish on on uh, on on Montreal. There's no 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 question about it. So I guess this might be a loaded question, but if I was to ask you, where do you see the biggest investment coming from Broccolini now? In in what market would be your your main focus? I think the uh, I mean, obviously Toronto is the biggest biggest it's the top three industrial markets in North America. Um, Toronto has been a, a, you know on our radar for quite some time, and that uh, we've put a lot of investment in the Toronto market. Uh, we are very focused also in Montreal as well. Um, I, I think industrial is a, is a hot commodity right now. There's no question about it. And, and I think, it's, like I said before, COVID has has has, has made it a, a, an accelerator on the uh, e-commerce industry. And uh, there was uh, I read an article uh, a report uh, a few weeks ago, and they were saying that they're projecting that in Canada there's going to be 42 million square feet of, uh, of industrial buildings being built. In the next five years, and it's largely uh, by e-commerce. So, where is the industrial market in Canada? Yes, Toronto is the bulk of it. Uh, I think second would be Montreal. Um, then you would follow through on Calgary and Vancouver. So, there's a there's a lot of stuff happening in the marketplace. I think our investment strategy is definitely focused on industrial and. Uh, and uh, I think we'll man, I'll let Anthony talk about all the other sectors that we're focused on in the residential. And uh, there's also, I think, you know, immigration is come, is it has to come back. Uh, we need to grow. We're we have we're a country of 30 odd million people, and uh, we have the capacity to bring it up to at least you know 50, 60 million people in the next uh, 15, 20 years. And and you know, 
the data shows that you know more people that come in on immigration, more it, it turns the economy. So we have to do it, and uh, there's a shortage of labor. So I think residential will, as long as interest rates stay low, uh, will uh, you know residential will always be a hot commodity. Yeah. So so to add on to that, I, I think um, you know no question in terms of our our investment focus, you know in, industrial is up there absolutely. Um, you know, and, and for Broccolini, we're, we're active on the industrial side, on the office side, on the re high rise residential side. And, and uh, Q4 last year, we spent a lot of time, you know, really evaluating the residential market and, and, and given the impacts of COVID and, and, you know, a lot of flight to the suburbs, stuff like that. Like we really studied it hard and saying, you know, long term, are we going to be you know, in, in investing in high-rise residential in, in, in the city cores, right? And um, the conclusion of that thesis was that, you know, as long as there's continued growth, employment growth, immigration, there, there's going to continue to be the need, right? And, and you know, and I, and, I, and I tie back sort of the, the, the residential growth and, and, and again, long-term, you know, over the history of man, we've always flocked into cities, right? And I think real, real estate, is it's a long-term game. It's not a short-term game. Uh, you know, so we, we certainly believe that, you know, we are going to continue to congregate, right? And, and, and we will continue to come back in, into the central business districts. And, you know, so we certainly believe that there's, there will be that continued residential growth. And again, land, land is scarce. Right. And, and, and people want to be around other people. So, you know, the notion in, in, in terms of living, you know, together in, in, in dense communities, that's that's what we've done over the history of mankind. And, and I don't see that it's going to be any, you know, any any different. Right. And, you know, you tie that in, into the, the industrial market. That market is supplying those people with goods. Right. And so it's all it is all tied together. If, if you could pinpoint one challenge today in industrial real estate, which is a very strong market, what would that challenge be today, Paul? The scarcity of land, the restrictive zoning uh, issues, especially in, 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 Mont in the Montreal, uh, greater Montreal area. I think those are the biggest challenges that we're faced with. And whatever you do find, uh, there's always largely environmental concerns, um, be it, uh, you know it's polluted or there's wetlands and streams going through it um that's those those are the biggest concerns and, and then on top of the amplify things the on the montreal area we're getting a lot of resistance from from majors you know the major municipalities the boroughs they don't want to see they don't want to see uh they don't want to see trucks on the roads anymore they they want to push distribution to the sub to the off island and then when you go to the off island, they don't want trucks. So it's like it's 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 actually very frustrating right now uh, to find sites. And um, it's uh, my biggest our, our biggest dilemma, I think. There's something I forgot to add uh, um, on the last question. The other challenge too is uh, for industrial. When you do find sites, especially on the island of Montreal, when you're in the core of, of Montreal, is the cam and cam uh, and taxes the uh, the net to gross, especially when you're looking in Ville Saint Laurent, Dorval, Point Claire, you know, looking at new builds. So if you do find a redevelopment opportunity to knock down a building and then build a state-of-the-art industrial facility, 
you're looking at rents uh, all in, uh, you know, easily like $17, $18 gross. Big numbers. So that's and, a really good point. And, and a lot and a lot of it has, well, I mean, obviously the price of construction has gone up quite a bit. It's uh, we, We've got some data, I think, in the last couple of days. <clears throat> 10, 12% increases uh, per, per year. That's pretty significant, you know, and... Uh, and taxes, uh, you know, when you're paying $5 of taxes on industrial buildings, it's a lot of money, you know, and then you add to your other uh, camp charges. And uh, so the industrial guys typically were paying six, seven dollars uh, net rents, and now they're being pushed by up to nine, ten dollars on island. And uh, but when you start factoring in like six dollars of, uh, of, of uh, camp and taxes, it's there's, I don't, it's not so obvious out there. There's, there's a lot of challenges in the market. So question in regards to the, what you just said, Paul, in, in regards to the Montreal taxes and, uh, and additional rents being high, we get that question a lot from our Toronto um, clients saying, I can't believe how much your, your additional rents are. So are you seeing that in Toronto? I, I'm assuming that you're seeing lower tax basis than we're seeing in Montreal? Yeah, there's a lower tax base in Toronto than Montreal, but Toronto, what's, what's unique about Toronto as opposed to Montreal is that there's big development charges. So your total project cost, when you're building new, um, construction costs on a per square foot basis is cheaper than Montreal and Toronto because they have the union, non-union uh, selection of trades, more, more competition. But when you start adding, uh, you know, these massive development charges in the in the in the in the, uh, in the outskirts of Toronto, um, the total project costs are very similar to Montreal. So those are some of the challenges you're faced with. But the taxes are cheaper in Toronto. So total construction costs are the same. That means that if some if a developer is looking for an even yield, whether you're in Montreal or in Toronto your rental rates should be the same, except our additional rent is so much higher in Montreal, so that's going to have a negative impact on our net rents. Would you agree? Correct. So let's have a bit of a a general discussion um, in regards to Montreal, because, you know, I know we're trying to have a bit more of a national discussion, but the all eyes are in Montreal right now. It's been the darling of Canada for the last couple of years, uh, whether it's from the, you know, the AI sector growing in Montreal, whether it's the economy, uh, the employment, everything was pre-COVID, everything was firing on all cylinders. Uh, we even saw some studies saying that Montreal, because of one, how we've handled COVID, uh, because of our economy, that we were number two in North America. This is a little bit of a Montreal plug here, guys. But we were number two in in as far as recovery in North America, with number one being uh, Arizona, which was a bit of a of, of a of a surprise to me. But so, but number number two was was Montreal, with Toronto being quite a bit down the down the list. So, if you look at Montreal right now. What's keeping you guys active? What, where are you? Where are you focused on in Montreal? Is it industrial? Is it is it downtown core? Is it residential? What's keeping you active? All of the above. <laughs> Good answer. Um, 
the industrial is obviously right now is the flavor flavor of the month, if you want to call it. But uh, like I said before, we're bullish on the residential, the core. Um, you know, even office. I think office will come back. Uh, I think the office in the suburbs is is uh, underrated. We've, we have a couple of buildings in the in the Techno Park in Saint Laurent, and uh, uh, we built them over 11, 12 years ago. And all the tenants renewed during COVID, and actually took some uh, vacant space. And it's something that's that's a bit of an anomaly. You may want to think, but uh, there's an REM station being built just down the street from our buildings. It's you know, I guess it's transit Oregon to develop, and if you want to call it. But you know, when people say you know people are fleeing the office, we're not seated in the suburbs. Uh, it may be a different uh, way of working, uh, maybe three days a week in the office, two days at home, but people still want to have a place to uh, congregate, to be in conference rooms, to collaborate, uh, to share different ideas and uh, even the social aspect of the office. So I think that's uh, something to to consider. So, Paul, you mentioned before that industrial was, you know, the flavor of the month right now. Um, and I think we could say that for at least the last 24 months in in Montreal that it's been it's been very active you know we've seen record growth in in net rents uh we've seen i think net rents have grown 24% in the last in the last 18 months you know in the last 24 months we've seen a 50% decrease in vacancy not vacancy i apologize in in availability rates what would you say is the reason why no one has started spec building yet? And I know I know that's a loaded question, and and I ask this of you because you're one of the only groups to have started a spec building in 2021, and likely will be one of the only groups who will deliver a spec building. And I'm referring to your 400,000 square foot building in Vaudreuil, uh, which is a small industrial market right off off of the island but why is nobody building i i you know what i i think it's a cultural thing it's montreal the developers they're sometimes they they, they don't want to believe what they're seeing they they're, they have their doubts they're always looking for excuses you know they they like the old school way of things get a pre-lease then we'll start I don't know. It's 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 a weird uh, phenomenon. We're, like we're bullish in the market. We're confident. We know you know we know the market stats and we have the relationships. And I don't know. I think it's maybe it's a mindset, Mark. I I don't know. Or just risk reward. People look at things differently. Um, maybe we're more aggressive. Uh, we saw our success in Toronto building on spec. Uh, we've got the taste of it, and, and we're bullish on it. I mean, obviously Toronto is a different market than Montreal. But uh, you know Montreal is Montreal. Like uh, I think it has a bit of a uh, a blurry focus, like I've, uh, in the past, and where you look at things with politics and so forth. And people saw Montreal ups and downs a lot, you know. And um, maybe that's part of it. They're afraid something something might spook everybody that comes out of the closet. I'm not sure. But Anthony, let me ask you. So I, I agree with what Paul just said in regards to, you know, Montreal is always a bit of the, uh, we always have that underdog uh, mentality a little bit uh, in development. However, I would say that that's what we've seen in regards to the industrial market. Uh, in regards to downtown residential expansion, 
that's been on fire for years now. Would you agree? It has been. I mean, we've been uh, we've been a, a a very active part of that market, and and uh, I've had the wonderful opportunity of developing some some you know pretty great projects uh, in in the skyline of Montreal. Um, and again, I think I think a lot of that started in in you know probably 2012, where you know prior to that, like our our, our biggest condo building in Montreal was like a 24 story building, and now. You know, since 2012, like you got 50, 60 story high rise residential buildings, right? And and uh, so it's it, 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 it's nice to see that in our city. It's nice to see the city growing. Um, you know, so again, on, on on our end, I mean, we're 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 very very we very much believe in Montreal, right? And and you know, Paul focuses a lot more on on, on the industrial side. I focus much more on the residential side. Um, but again, they're 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 certainly tied together, and and um, you know there, there's there's certainly been a lot of activity downtown Montreal, and and uh, you know it, it's the, the skyline is changing, the way people are living downtown is changing, and uh, again we certainly believe very much in it, and and uh, you know part part of that study that I was mentioning that we were doing you know at the, at the end of last uh, last year was you know you look at any major city. And this is what happens in every major city, right? And, and you know, Montreal has certainly been behind on it to a degree, and and you know, many many reasons, many factors for that. But I think our 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 time has has come, right? And and uh, again, just like on the spec industrial, you know, we're believers. We believe in it, and and uh, we're certainly putting putting uh, putting our money where our mouth is. If only we could find you land. Yes, please. <laughs> well, gentlemen, um, I really want to thank you both. Arnold and I want to thank you. Arnold, I think thank today we, we said this was something like um, Jerry Seinfeld's, what's what's that show called? Coffee. Drinking coffee with comedians <laughs> in cars. This, is, this was drinking wine with real estate guys. On, I guess on uh, virtually or on on team zoom so we uh, we're looking forward to to seeing you guys uh, in real life uh, again when and, and it's I mean the good thing is is that we see the light at the end of the tunnel um, we're seeing the progress happening in in Montreal uh, we're seeing people coming back to life we're seeing the development coming the industrial market is is absolutely on fire in Montreal um, and you guys have been you know a real a real uh, ambassadors of Montreal uh, globally and and nationally so we appreciate your time today, uh, Paul and Anthony. You know, we know you're very busy. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to uh, Collier's Talks. And uh, we look forward to uh, to transacting with you. And we look forward to, uh, more importantly, tasting wine uh, face-to-face. So thank you, guys. I, I, I'm under the impression this doesn't end until we finish the four bottles of wine. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can't like, end the recording, but we can pleasure. still stay. Yeah, we could still stay on, right? Stay on, exactly. <laughs> hey, guys, this was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliers.canada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.